Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and relax, because this is The Leo Effect. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat, cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of The Leo Effect. I'm joined today by two, count them, two very special guests. Uh, you, you get the uh, two for the price of one deal. And uh, I'm joined tonight by Dino and Craig. How are you doing, guys? Doing well, thank you. Yep, doing great. Perfect, perfect. So, you know, per the show and, and the routine and the norm and all that, I'm going to keep keep this thing going. I don't want to change up tradition. Uh, and it, Whichever one of you wants to go first is fine, but uh, I'm just wondering, like, what it is that you guys do? What are you known for? Okay, um, I'm a stuntman in film and television, um, in my fifties now, I've segued into stunt coordinating, but still perform when I get called for it. And, um, so I'm in LA right now, um, from Wilmington, North Carolina, but in LA, I got to work on a TV show tomorrow. Um, and, uh, from there, I'm just segueing now in my fifties, trying to get into the independent film producing aspects of things. And I'll tell you about that. Craig and I will tell you about that a little bit later, about a little horror story. Cool. Um, and, and I yeah, am a uh, an assistant director, uh, kind of retired from that part of the business. The business got a little tough in the early part of the 2000s as Canada and their tax breaks took all of the work that was happening all over the United States. So I kind of stepped away, but um, a project came along and I read a script. And when I read that script... Uh, it started an itch and an itch that it actually started because I had dropped in to visit some friends on a set of something shooting here in Wilmington. And between those two things, uh, I decided to come out of retirement. So I am back in the uh, seat of being the assistant director. And I do want to quickly say that assistant directors are not the same thing as director's assistants. <laughs> Direct, <laughs> right. Director's assistants run and get the director coffee the assistant director actually runs the set for the director so that he can be when not actually needed for the filming, you know, at the actual time the camera's rolling, he can be answering all of the 15,000 questions a day that come to a director. And that frees up somebody who can still be kind of watching the set like a hawk, making sure things are proceeding the way they need, getting people information or 
resources that they need so that the shoot can continue in, a, in the most efficient way possible. So that's the job I've come back out of retirement into this new production for. Gotcha. And I'll let Dino get you going with what that production is. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, so Dino, before we jump into that real quick, I, I got I want to ask you and Craig both separate but same questions just to get a little bit of an idea here. Like what was it that made you decide to be a stuntman in the first place? Well, that's kind of funny because it was a, I was a child, and um, in the seventies, and if you remember Evil Knievel, he was doing his stuff, and you know a lot of his uh, jumps that he did was televised and sit around the TV, and I'd watch that and be fascinated by you know him jumping that heavy motorcycle over those buses and whatnot, and so <clears throat> that kind of I was really entertained by that, and I thought that was pretty you know well badass really <laughs> yeah. and uh well yeah while i was in elementary school uh, at recess we'd have this this game with the football we created our own game but it was all about hitting each other as hard as we could and knocking each other to the ground on the field and whatnot <laughs> and uh, it was funny because one of the older kids had said um he kind of laughed at the way i could just get hit knocked to the ground back on my feet and run and and he says man, you should be a stuntman. And I didn't really know what a stuntman was, but um, then you flash forward a year later and there's this movie coming out, coming out in the theaters with Burt Reynolds called Hooper about the Hollywood stuntman. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I had my, my parents recently divorced and you know, we were with my father and he wanted to take us to a movie. And uh, I suggested that one. <laughs> and none of the siblings none of the siblings knew what that was about my father didn't know what that was about he was an italian came off off the boat in 1961 to america and it's 1978 right now and and uh we go to this movie and i was just blown away by these stunt guys and what they were doing and i'm like this is what i gotta do at 12 years old i'm like this is what i gotta do this is what i'm gonna be and i i you know got away from it obviously at 13 14 but by the time I was graduating high school, I was uh, determined to do this for a living. Nice. And now I'm 53, and I'm doing it still. <laughs> That's cool. And you've done like numerous movies with uh, being a stuntman, right? Like, uh, uh, what were some of them yeah. that you did? Like, uh, like the Hunger uh, some Games. Of the, well, and... Yeah. Yep, some of the more popular ones, Born Ultimatum, uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, Insurgent. Nice. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it's been television between North Carolina and Atlanta <clears throat> with the crew that I typically work work with and uh we do a lot of T V stuff as well. Right on. And yeah. And Craig, what was it that got you to want to be a uh, assistant director? Well, that path, uh, yeah, it's that's a weird path, and it's actually the wrong path for what I initially thought I was heading towards, but I didn't know that at the time. But I, uh, it's funny because I'm very close to Dino's age, and I very similar uh, things. I was watching movies and TV from an early age and was already fascinated, particularly like the Universal Studios monsters as a very small child watching them on Saturday night. The creature feature and all of that mm-hmm. but then it was it was star wars in 1977 so he had hooper at 78 i had star wars in 77 
and that movie was just such magic um, that I I had to be a part of of that. I had to get into that magic somehow. So I went to uh, college for it. I got a uh, degree in uh, cinema from uh, Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois. And uh, with my meager savings, I knew I wasn't going to last long in New York or Los Angeles. But a friend who had uh, vacationed here said that they made movies in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I I had no clue. There was no internet, of course. This is uh, late 80s, early 90s. So we scraped together some money, uh, that particular friend and I, and we moved down here and in 1992, very early 92. And there were there were TV movies and Young, Young Indiana Jones, which was a TV series that was on ABC for a couple of seasons. That was shooting, weirdly, only the parts with the very old indie that was at the front and end of every episode. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they the real, you know, the rest of the crew, the big part of the crew was off all over the world shooting the action stuff. Right. But they did but they did all those bumper bits with the old man here. So I was trying to get on to everything I could get on, and, and nobody would hire me. You, you, it is all who you know. You drop resumes off at every production that would open mm-hmm. up, and nobody would ever hire. But then a friend, somebody here that I'd met, um, said, uh, I got a friend who's casting extras for a movie called Amos and Andrew. And I said, well, you know, get me on a set. I'll do it. And so I ended up on this movie, which starred um, the, of course, well-known Nicolas Cage at the time and the not very well-known at the time, Samuel L. Jackson, who, of course, has gone on to probably even eclipse Nicolas Cage as a famous actor. Mm-hmm. But that was a, a little-known comedy on both of their resumes. It shot here uh, all nights. It was a weird movie because it all took place in the course of one evening. And uh, so it all shot night. So I did extra work on that. Thought I was going to win an Academy Award for this performance <laughs> that I was sure was going to eclipse the actors. <laughs> and I'm literally in the show for one 10 second shot that you can see me for those 10 seconds. But it got me on a set. And from there, uh, I continued to do extra work on some other shows. And the next one was Super Mario Brothers, which is a big production here that went so far over schedule that people had committed to other shows, had to leave Super Mario Brothers in crew positions. And so I actually slid from being an extra into the production assistant, which is the low-level gopher on the set. And that, once I got that job um, with the eye of the tiger and the, you know, the hunger in the belly, uh, <laughs> I proved my worth to, to all the bosses. And from there, it was just a matter of working my way up the ladder. And I thought assistant director led to the director's chair, but it actually doesn't. It actually leads you really supposed to become a producer from being an assistant director weirdly so huh. i was uh yeah really really kind of nonplussed to find that out down the road but <laughs> but all was good until canada took everything away and and that, that pushed me away and uh but now we're, we're coming back for this new independent uh film so okay that's good. and how did you two meet each other we where was it craig was it on dawson's I'm going to say it had to be Dawson's Creek, yeah, because... Yeah, um, I believe so. That nine, that was 97. That went for six yeah. seasons. And so yeah, I, I did I got four the, of them, and, and Dino would come in and out doing stunts, so that is where we met. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. And then there were some... I think there were some other independent projects that uh, Craig was part of, and and uh, we got to know each other even better then. And mm-hmm. what's it been now, 20 years? Uh, a little over. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And 
And so for our, our little independent project, um, I just, I, I knew Craig's set etiquette. Uh, I watched the way he, even when he was a PA, just in, in dealing with the cast and the crew and, and just respectful and, and kind. Like I, I remember just even the Dawson's Creek cast, just loving him and stuff. And I'm like, this, this guy's got what it takes to be, to, to motivate people on set and make our day and, and not dilly dally and, and waste money. But I needed somebody who could be, um, articulate, articulated and, um, um, kind to the casting crew. I need, I need to set the run smooth when we do get into this thing. So I'm like, Craig, uh, I got this script. It's a horror and you, you know, horror and you love horror. So take a read, but I would like you to assist and direct on this. And as he told you, he read it and I, I, you liked it, right, Craig? <laughs> I did. I, I got to tell you, 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 everybody in the film industry believes they are a writer and, um, that you could be doing any job and everybody you come in contact with will tell you they have a screenplay they like to read. And I have read, I will say a few dozen, I'm not going to say bigger than that, but enough to know that not everybody actually is a writer. <laughs> um, so I have read some really, really awful scripts written by teamsters who drive the trucks or the craft service lady who puts the snacks on the table or the guy who holds the boom mic over the set. And none of those are really all that good. So when Dino said, I've got this script, I was, you know, much as I love him, <laughs> is this going to be any good or is this going to be one of those other ones? Yeah. How many and, hits to the head did you take? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, really, exactly. <laughs> so, but it, here, here was this thing and it was in the numbered in the twenties uh, pages, which is uh, it's for a short, it's not a feature length thing. Mm -hmm. And those, those are tricky in and of themselves because they need to tell a complete story, but you have to do it in incredible economy, you know, in order to tell the story from beginning to end when you don't have the length of a feature film. Right. And his did it, it told this great story and, it, and as with all things, and I'll let him tell you where it comes from, where he got the inspiration from it. But because it did have an inspiration out there that it, it had a truth to it um, that lent credence to it. The characters were well drawn. The events were creepy. The, the show, you know, it seemed like it was something that could scare an audience, even in just a short, you know, 25 to 30 minute runtime. So, like I said, I was blown away, pleasantly surprised, and immediately emailed back to say, yes, I'm absolutely on board. Whatever you're going to do with this thing. Wow. Nice. Well, so you, you, uh, Dino, you managed to put this, uh, the script in, in front of Craig that pulled him back from retirement. So it, it must be an amazing script. I don't know how much of it you want to divulge, but, uh, it definitely sounds like it's piqued my interest. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much too much about it but the you know how the origins of this um story came about is when i was uh actually up in rhode island because that's where i was born and raised in in rhode island and i was up there with a um a buddy of mine well he lives there he's also a stunt guy but he told me about a story of a family in rhode island back in the 1800s um 
and you could look this up, but it, it was during the vampire scare back there in New England. Yeah. And it was about it was about a story of the the, the Brown family and people were getting sick and and dying and this guy had lost his wife and i think his older daughter and then his i might have that wrong maybe mercy was his only daughter but she had passed he was a you know young teen i think and um then his son got sick and when the vampire scare was going on over there they um they thought it was vampires that were causing the people in the community to get sick. And, and Mercy Brown's dad was, was sure that, that that's what it was. And then some of the people in the community were, were thinking that it might be Mercy who's doing this and it caused their brother to get sick and other people in the community. So they went and they exhumed their body and they saw it was pretty much all intact after it's been buried for like five, six months or so. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they were pretty confident that it was her and there was a story that i think from a hundred years earlier that in order to defeat um the vampires at least or at least heal the people the vampires were getting sick causing them to get sick was to take the internal organs and burn it and then feed the ash to the the patient the person who was ill (laughs) so that's what Mercy Brown's dad was doing for the son, but of course he died. They called it consumption back then. We all we know now that it was tuberculosis that was the reason oh, for okay. all this. Yeah. So, um, so I told my friend Jeff, I'm like, well, because we were remodeling my mother's house, and then I I went to Prudence Island, Rhode Island, took the ferry over there, and and we were working on his landlord's house on the island. So while we were working there, we were trying to form a story and and we hashed it out while we were working and talked and we decided to let it be established on an island like prudence island and um and i didn't i didn't want to i wanted to stay away from vampires because i think like the demonic entities are scarier okay that's fair and um so I, I went along the lines of the entity. I mean, The Exorcist was scary. The movie The Enter- Entity, that was Barbara Hersey, right, Craig? Yep, that's right. That freaked me out when I was younger. So <laughs> I thought, like, let me let me stick with an entity and su- the supernatural, and I think I can, you know, come up with a really good story. So Jeff and I bounced ideas off, off one another, and I'd go home back to my mother's house at night, and I'd started, I started working on the script. And, um, I, I got, I got it. It was 35 pages at first. I got it done pretty quick. And then with, uh, when I let the other guys read it, um, had some really good feedback on it and I was able to tighten it up more to a 26 page count. And, um, I'm excited to, to, to shoot it. And, uh, um, I'm, I'm hoping it garners an interest, excuse me. I want to jump in too and let let um, let your listeners and you know that that is definitely the basis of what inspired Dino. But the story that he's got is not period. First off, it is set modern day, so oh, okay. right now. Yeah, and it and and as he said, vampires. You know, it, even if you could do them as scary, they're played out. You know, we've had a billion vampires. You mm-hmm. know, TV shows. TV shows running at the same time on different channels, you know, going right. on for season yeah. after season. So, 
his idea of pushing taking that inspiration, moving it to the modern day, and then pushing it away from vampires to this demonic entity, uh, again, just uh, floored me. Because, again, having that basis in urban legend, which also ties in with that very interesting thing that it turned out to be tuberculosis, floored right. me. Um, you know, this script has, has turned out really well. That's, so That's really um, cool. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. And, and the nice thing is, is he's given you a great story there, and 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 yet we've given away really nothing about the actual script, which is pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I kind of another interesting story that you kind of you you hit on it twice, and I kind of want to know more about it. Is uh, you were talking about the reason you went into retirement in the first place, and it had to do with Canada. What what was that all about? Two thousand two thousand one, the uh, they they introduced tax breaks, which. All productions now, they want tax breaks. And what that means is is that they refund you money for dollars spent in the community in question. And when I say tax breaks, they could be – they're generally like down in this country, they're, they're uh, by state. And up there, it's probably by province or something like that. Yeah. But you – a production – I heard a producer say that they could take four movies to Canada – and they would basically get one of the budgets of one of the movies back. So they would get four movies for the cost of three. Wow. And so in, in November of 2001, this figure has stuck in my head forever. There were 17 productions shooting in Vancouver, just that one city, 17 productions shooting in that month of November of 2001. Wow. And at the same time, we only at that time had Dawson's Creek, which was – fourth wrapping up its fourth season yeah and then some independent um super indie low budget movies little things that with terry hatcher that you know nobody's seen or maybe they are you know after midnight on the lifetime movie network or something but they're not famous movies by any means okay and that was it i mean there was very little work so you would come off a job you know i finished i finished the fourth season of dawson's and it, it was for the first time in ever you'd look off to the horizon, you know, metaphorically speaking, and there was nothing. There were no production offices opening up. There were no rumors that something was coming. And these little indie, indie things would pop up, but they only usually shot for about three weeks. And that's just not enough to keep you going. Right. Right. Because in the, in the industry, in the same true for Dino and the pretty much everybody, you know, you're, it's, it's work for hire. You get the job, however long it lasts. And when it ends, you're as unemployed as anybody has ever been unemployed. I mean, there's, it's, right. you don't work for the studio and they just assign you, you know, today you're going to go over to that set, work on it. It's not like that. You literally just get work for hire for the job and it's pre-production, production. Maybe you get a few days of post-production and then you're out, you're done. All right. I see. Now, are you guys planning on uh, filming this, uh, filming this movie like where like Rhode Island or somewhere similar to that or LA or no, we're going to do it in, in, in Wilmington because that's where we live. And because I've been working in the film and television industry for 24 years in, in Wilmington. And I, I know like our other producer, Oh, well, he's my cinematographer, Marshall. I mean, he works in the industry. He's a sound, sound guy. He's also a photographer. He's got a really good eye. And utilizing him and some of the actors that that are going to be in it, 
I, I've already known because I've worked with them on, on a show in Wilmington at one point. So uh, I could have done it up in uh, Rhode Island and possibly on Prudence Island, but I don't really know anybody up there. And uh, I thought that it was easier to let it take place on this fictional island um, off the coast of North Carolina as part of North Carolina and, and create the whole same, the same thing that we talked about when we were working on Prudence Island. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the magic of filmmaking. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask Dino, are you going to be one of the main characters then? No, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to direct this, this one because I wrote it, I developed the characters. I'll direct Craig will assistant direct. And, um, We'll have, you know, cast of actors, cool playing the parts. Yeah, we we pushed. I I you know tried to get him to take a cameo role, but he's refused me so far. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to get him in front of the camera for some reason. I can get in front of the camera if you got to set me on fire, throw me off a building, <laughs> you know, flip a car. I mean, I, I can do that. But <laughs> but I wanted to say too, I wanted to go along with what you were saying about Wilmington. This this area has you know, been so many places and it's really good for that. And of course now with digital effects, you can really make the place look like someplace else. Yeah, but that's true. Taking an Island is very easy. You know, you don't actually have to shoot on an Island. You could sell it as we say with a stock shot, you could purchase a stock shot of a, like an over of flying over an Island. And you know, this is where we're, your story is taking place. Yeah. And then you never really need to see that again. Gotcha. So thankfully you don't actually have to shoot on an Island. If you did shoot on an island here, likely you would be on Baldhead Island, but that's a really hard place to shoot because they don't allow cars on that island, so everything has to right. be on carts and on foot. So uh-huh. that's tricky. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, it sounds and like then guys... having, Go I'm ahead. sorry again, the, having a cast and crew here, again, as Dina was saying, it was going to be a lot uh, easier to stretch the budget using people who actually just live here. Going to Rhode Island, I know his friend Jeff's there, but I don't really know if there's much of any production going on there and, and whether you know anybody or not. If you, if you have to bring your cast and crew in and put them up, now your budget is going to right. those things gotcha. instead of what's going to end up on camera. That and this island, yeah, this island up there, Prudence Island um, in, in Rhode Island, is, you know, it's it's small, but w- basically it's just a residential community there there are no businesses there's no restaurants and there's no gas station you know mm-hmm. and you got to take a ferry ride so you got to go to the mainland for all your your supplies and and food there's a convenience store over there with one gas pump but the costs you know are, are pretty high but pretty much like when we were working there you see people you know come off the ferry with their their carts just loaded with food and supplies and uh, so, of course, that helped with the story that we were creating, too, because it adds an element, you know, to it as well. Mm-hmm. But um, if we shot up there, there are some crew in Rhode Island because Boston is is seeing quite a few shows coming in there. But I think most of the people we would have had to have gotten from the independent film community up there would have been coming from, who knows, an hour and a half, two hours away and to come into um, Rhode Island put them up at a hotel, pay for their ferry rides every day. It was just going to be, you know, something that was going to have the budget go like way too high. 
Um, so yeah, so yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it sounds like you guys have pretty much everything all lined up. When do you think this movie might be getting underway? I think the uh, the third week, uh, the third week of April is our tentative start date. Um, where we've got, I think, um, maybe a little bit more than half of the money for it. We've got a little funding page, you know, that we're asking, you know, for help on. And, uh, and I think that we'll get there by, cool. by April 1st. And, uh, then we're going to go for it. And I think it's going to be a really good entertaining, uh, story that'll spook some people. That's awesome. I can't wait for it to come out. I, I, I'll be the first in line. <laughs> awesome. and I don't think we've said the title yet, but it is called Mercy. Oh, okay. Is, yeah, I didn't know yeah. if you yep. had a title. Yep. That I is... called it Mercy, not not because of Mercy Brown, but just because, I mean, obviously that, that, that unconsciously, that probably came out because of that, but just because of what what Mercy means mm-hmm. and what my Mercy character does, they're almost opposite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. <laughs> And do you guys have like any kind of social media that people could follow along? Yeah, I, I created a Facebook page for it, and then I have the link to the funding page. And um, okay. I believe, uh, you know, it's crazy because right off the top of my head, my own Facebook page, I can't think Pretty of sure like, the address. To, if you're on Facebook and you search yeah. Mercy, um, the the one that you're going to want to go to has a picture of a young lady in a white dress standing, facing away from the camera, kind of almost in silhouette with a beautiful ocean view uh, around her. And that, and it, I believe it says mercy, a short film or a film, yeah, something yeah. like that. But cool. if you search it, I'm sure it will come up. And then from there, all the links to other things, uh, people's uh, internet movie database pages and the, and the funding page are all found there on that page. And it is a it's a group, so so if you come there and you want to check out the film, just join join the page, with you know with your Facebook profile and uh, and you know no spam or anything. We're not coming after you at all, but just you can follow along and see as updates are posted there. And then if you did want to hit the link and go over and and kick a few bucks in and help us out, that would be fantastic too. Yeah, yeah, that'd be perfect to have a you know singular area where you could get to everything. That's yeah. great. Yep. So look, fellas, I just want to say thank you for coming on and tell me about your movie. I, I'm definitely interested, and I know that you know there's a lot of my listeners out there that are going to be interested in this too. So I'm going to be following along with this real closely. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about it. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, we really, really had a good time. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners. Don't forget to go check out that Facebook page. Click, you know. Throw in some money. Help them out. Let's get this thing done. We can all be work together and make this uh, happen. And that'd be awesome because this movie sounds legit. So get over there, check it out, and we'll see you all next time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatures of all ages, what an amazing show. Thank you for lending an ear and joining us. I'm the host, Ray Rumsey, and if you want to hear more interviews, simply head to anywhere podcasts are heard, Facebook or Twitter, and search 
The Leo Effects, with an A, not an E. If you'd like to hear me doing silly voices and making a general fool of myself, head over to Shattered Dungeons on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We live stream every Tuesday night. More projects are in the works. For now, stay tuned for more interviews. To book yourself as a guest, you can head to theleoeffects.wixsite.com slash podcast or send me an email at theleoeffects at gmail.com. Remember, this has been The Leo Effects, and great shows require great listeners, just like you. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.